Have you ever thought that God's grace would negate his justice? In other words, have you thought that God could not judge sin because he's just too loving to do that? God's justice does not contradict his grace. In fact, it highlights his grace. Zephaniah reminds us that even when his warnings are ignored and righteous judgment is imminent, he graciously offers hope both now and for the future, to all who will turn to him. Here's Stephen with today's lesson. I think this is true for all of us, but I I think all of us would rather hear good news rather than bad news. It reminds me of the man who had a rough day at work. Nothing went right. It was one problem after another. He came home to his wife and four children at the end of the day and said to his wife, Honey, I've had a terrible day, so please don't give me any bad news. And she replied, Well then, I have good news to tell you. Three of your four children did not fall out of a tree today and break their arm. (laughs) Well, I'm not so sure. That was good news. Well, now, as we set sail today on our wisdom journey, we arrive at the little book of Zephaniah, three chapters long, But Zephaniah is going to focus on two themes, the bad news, which is God's divine judgment, and the good news, which is God's divine grace. Now, the first verse gives us the family tree of Zephaniah, and we discover that he's the great-great-grandson of the godly king Hezekiah. So uh, this tells us then that Zephaniah evidently didn't go into politics. He went into the ministry. He's going to preach God's word. In fact, verse 1 says, In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now, Josiah was Judah's last godly king. So, if Zephaniah is preaching during the godly reign of Josiah, well, why all this bad news then about God's judgment? Well, keep in mind that Josiah's reign followed 57 years of ungodly apostasy under King Manasseh and his son Ammon. So here, uh, Judah is at a very low point spiritually. King Josiah has instituted godly reforms, but unfortunately, the hearts of the people are, are unrepentant. They remain unchanged. So Zephaniah begins his prophecy with a pronouncement of universal judgment. Verse 2, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Now, the scope of this apparently means this is describing the judgment that comes in the last days, that is, at the time of the Great Tribulation. Uh, As one author noted, this, this is serving to emphasize the power and scope of God's judgment. Now, that may be off in, in, in the future, but there's going to be some immediate judgment here as well. And God speaks through his prophet in verse 4. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens." Well, that tells us they're worshiping the moon, uh, they're worshiping the stars, along with the Canaanite god, Baal. 
Now, the people of Judah, uh, verse 5 tells us, are swearing by Milcom or Molech. This was an Ammonite god to whom children were sacrificed, uh, 2 Kings 23 tells us. So Josiah is trying to wipe out, cleanse the nation of this idolatry, but he wasn't uh, successful. And let me tell you, this kind of evil is not going to go unpunished for very long. Verse 7 says, the day of the Lord is near. Now, in the Old Testament, that phrase, the day of the Lord, often refers to the tribulation judgments following the rapture of the church. But it also frequently points to a a nearer demonstration of God's wrath. And that's what Zephaniah is describing here. This is the coming destruction of Jerusalem, which will take place in 586 BC. Now, this particular day of the Lord is about 50 years away at most, but Zephaniah is describing it here in verse 13 by writing, their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Verse 15 adds, a day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Let me tell you, this is a lot of bad news. But now, along with the bad news, Zephaniah offers some good news by way of an invitation to the people. Here in chapter 2 now, and verse 1, he says, Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. So this here is a call to the sinful nation to gather in repentance. Here's the offer of hope, by the way, to anybody you and me, who turn from our sin and call upon the name of the Lord. In fact, this invitation is followed by an appeal here in verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. By the way, you ought to note that God will protect some of these people from death when the Babylonians invade the land and destroy Jerusalem. So this is, this is an important reminder for us, beloved. We, we might be surrounded by wicked people today, and we might even suffer because of them, but we're to respond by faithfully and humbly following the Lord. And let me tell you, our, our faithful trust in the Lord is a powerful witness to our world. Now, just as God's judgment is promised here against Judah— It's also going to be promised against the wicked nations surrounding Judah. God isn't going to allow them to get away with their own idolatry either. In fact, the rest of chapter 2 prophesies of the coming wrath of God to the Philistine nation. God says here in verse 5, I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. Verse 9, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah. Verse 12 here promises judgment on the people of Cush who live there in Africa. Verse 13 promises the destruction of Assyria and the Ninevites. And in each case, God is going to use the mighty Babylonians as his instrument of judgment. Now, chapter 3 focuses again on the judgment of God against the people of Judah and specifically the city of Jerusalem. Here's how the chapter opens in verse 1. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. 
She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Zephaniah's words now target Jerusalem's civil leaders here in verse 3. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. In other words, they're all preying upon these poor people for their own benefit. Now, the religious leaders, the prophets and the priests, they aren't any better. Verse 4 tells us her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. Now, in sharp contrast to that, Zephaniah says here in verse 5, the Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. So don't, don't miss this, beloved. Despite the wickedness within Jerusalem, the Lord is still there. He's still present. They've abandoned God, but God has not abandoned them. In fact, God warns them here in verse 8, Therefore, wait for me, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. In other words, if they, if they won't repent, there's nothing more to do but to wait for the day when God's wrath arrives and he seizes, uh, like a predator, his prey. And that's exactly what will happen when the Babylonians invade their land. Now, at this point, Zephaniah does what so many other prophets of God have done. Uh, throughout the rest of this chapter, he points our attention to this future glorious day when the millennial kingdom of Christ begins on earth. So even as the fall of Judah approaches, the Lord promises never to abandon his people. Zephaniah preaches the good news of of a future day when the Lord will regather his, his repentant, believing people, and in that kingdom, he's going to rebuild Jerusalem. You know, those who saw the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, they really had only one reason to believe such future blessing could ever be possible. That's the promise of God. God can be trusted regardless of what the world around us looks like today. See, the bad news is that divine judgment is on Judah's uh, rather dark, gloomy horizon. The good news is God will not abandon his people forever. How do we know that? Well, because God never tells a lie. His word promises this coming glorious day. It's still out there in the future. But God says here in verse 20, At that time, I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. And well, with that, we close this little book of prophecy. Bad news, but a lot of good news as well. With that, we're out of time for today. Until our next wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey. Because the Bible clearly teaches both God's justice and his grace, Stephen called this lesson the bad news and good news of God's word. That's a fitting title, isn't it? If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to install the Wisdom International app to your phone or tablet. Once you do, you can take this Bible teaching ministry wherever you go. 
Look for the Wisdom International app in the App Store for your device. Once you install our app, you can follow each day on this wisdom journey. You can also listen to Stephen's other daily program, Wisdom for the Heart. You can access the sermon library for Stephen's 36 years of Bible teaching. All of his sermons are available on that app, and you can listen to each one or read Stephen's manuscript. You can read the daily devotional, read Stephen's blog, read our year-long Bible reading plan, and much more. In the menu along the bottom is a tab that says Bible. That gives you access to the complete text of the Bible, and you can read the Bible or listen to it being read to you. Our app is a tremendous discipleship resource that will help you. So, install it today. Then join us next time as we continue this wisdom journey.